I'm Scott Winstead, president of FMI Consulting. I'm really excited about today's episode. I'll be talking with FMI's very own Tyler Perret and Michael Keller about our soon-to-be-released industry labor productivity study. For background, Tyler leads our performance practice, is an FMI partner and board member, and Michael Keller is a consultant in our performance practice and the lead author of the study. So Tyler, Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Well, why don't we go ahead and jump right in. Michael, as the lead author of the study, would love for you to start us out and talk about just some of the key takeaways from the study. Sure. First, I'd I'd really just like to thank the over 250 plus executives that took part in the study. We're really excited about these results and sharing these with the overall industry and hitting on some of those key takeaways. One of the big things we saw is that productivity in our industry right now is a really big challenge. And the results of the study reflect that. We see that sentiment has declined over the last decade. For many contractors, they're seeing at least 10% of their labor costs wasted or spent unproductively on an annual basis. When we got into how we asked the questions or how we set up the survey, what we wanted to do was really pinpoint what some of those internal and external challenges are that contractors are facing on a regular basis And then also see what some of those operational best practices are that contractors utilize regularly to increase field preparedness, support for the field, and increase project control, and see which of those operational best practices have a link with overall organizational success. From the internal challenges side, we saw that three of the top four impacts were all related to planning, communication, and collaboration, all of which are variables that contractors have direct control over. And then on the external side, the most commonly mentioned impact was the quality of design documents and drawings. Over 80% of folks or four out of five contractors said that that's the largest impact that they're seeing on the external side. Regarding the operational best practices, we recognize clear trends to operational success with pre-job planning, really primarily how well those field managers are prepared prior to mobilization, the duration of look-ahead planning, as well as cost-complete reliability. Thanks, Michael. Any, any surprises from the study? Anything that took you off guard? One of the neat things that we saw was the overall correlation or trend that some of these best practices had to to contractor profitability. So we were able to ask the question of contractors 2022 operating profit margins, and we were able to see some clear trends and links between overall efficacy or sentiment on certain operational best practices and above average or below average operating profit margin with contractors. Interesting. If you think about it in the context of American football, an NFL game is 60 minutes. The average amount of live action in a 60-minute game is about 18 minutes. And there's about 50 to 60 hours of prep and practice and meetings that goes into that every week. And so if you think about that whole notion of go slow to go fast and the preparedness to be ready on game day, there's a lot of linkage between the two. Exactly, Scott. And I think you know one of the interesting things to come out of the study was we asked folks whether they felt they had a field first culture and these were executives that were surveyed and the overwhelming majority of the executives surveyed said that they felt they had a field first culture quite strongly however when you dig into the actual fundamentals of planning and communication and sharing information with the field confidence started to wane right so i think in everybody's heart they want to have a field first culture it's whether 
the actions actually translate that into the field. I'm curious, Tyler, what does field first look like in your mind? Well, we always talk about it in the terms of the upside down organizational chart. Labor is the economic engine for labor intensive self-performed contractors. And so money is made and lost in the field with foremen and their crews on a daily basis. And so we always use the example of our owners of construction projects only pay for one thing, and that's construction put in place. And those foreman crews are the folks that deliver that every day. And so the organizational orientation or the support orientation needs to be towards getting those folks what they need, when they need it to install work correctly the first time. Now, there's a lot that goes into that ballet of orchestrating resources into the field, a lot of communication that has to be done correctly. And I think what Michael will share in in terms of some of the findings in our study points to where those things are done well and potential areas where they're not done so well or not done so consistently. It's been a few years since we've last done this study. I'm curious if anything's changed. Now, in terms of longitudinal trends, the sentiment around labor productivity seems to be getting worse. And maybe we should start with an industry constant, which is that there's been a talent shortage in the construction industry for decades, both craft and professional. Now, our research suggests that that dynamic is getting worse. As contractors cited lack of qualified craft labor as the number one internal factor negatively impacting field labor productivity in their business. Now, the work is still getting done, but crew blends have less qualified, less experienced, less skilled personnel, which manifests itself in lower productivity. And I think that gets compounded by a similar challenge with field leadership. There's a demographic wave of experienced field leaders retiring or planning to retire. And the pandemic was a real challenge. And some folks are choosing early retirement or getting out of the industry altogether. And so in our study, 45% of the executives surveyed reported declining productivity. About a third felt that productivity was stable and less than a quarter saw improvements in field labor productivity. A decade ago, over half the respondents saw productivity gains. But I also think we need to put that into the context of where we are in terms of market cycles. So 2012 was near the bottom of the Great Recession, and 2023 is an all-time high from a dollar's perspective in terms of construction put in place. And when construction activity increases at the individual company level or the industry level, it's predictable to see declines in productivity. So you have this great amount of construction activity and proportionately fewer people than ever trying to build it all. I think that explains a lot of what of the productivity challenges we are seeing today. Thanks, Tyler. I want to shift gears now and talk a little bit about the opportunity. According to our data, according to the results, contractors in 2022 wasted roughly 30 to $40 billion due to unproductive labor. With the cost makeup of labor-intensive contractors, we're on average Contractors are spending roughly 30% of their annual revenue on labor. Success of the overall organization truly hinges on how well labor is managed in their organization. From our study, we saw that over 80% of contractors believe that they can improve productivity by at least 6% through better management practices. And, And in an industry where profit margins are already slim, 
typically single digits or sub 5%. The ability to improve your bottom line by 50% or more with those improved management practices is, is completely achievable. And kind of looking at this in the past, you know, just a 5% improvement in labor productivity can translate to a 50% improvement in bottom line profitability. So it is a material impact on the on both the, the P&L performance, but also the risk profile of the business. If you look at that from the flip side, contractors that are not adequately managing their labor uh, can completely erode their bottom line if they're not if they're not effectively managing their productivity and managing their labor spend with those thin margins that I referenced before, a 10% slip in the opposite direction means your profitability goes from an average of 4% a year down to 0% a year. So the massive swings that can happen in this industry due to the direct cost makeup of our businesses is huge. We looked back at historical financial data in our database and the average self-performing contractor margins are around 4% whether that's specialty trade or heavy civil businesses. This study confirmed that. And so the average operating profit margins contributed in this survey were at 4%. And in the study, you will see we use that as sort of the watermark or, or average contractor performance. And we bifurcated the demographics in this study by those contractors that performed above that 4% operating profit margin or below that 4% operating profit margin. Think of it as overperformers or underperformers. And the data tells a pretty compelling story relative to the management practices of those businesses. I'd love to ask, why is labor productivity such a big challenge? There's three main issues or buckets of issues as I see it. One is the craft labor shortage, which we touched on already. The second is construction has become much more complex. So schedules are compressed. You've got multi-stakeholder design coordination. There's a lot more required in terms of project documentation and regulatory compliance. Overall, there's a lot more non-building activities that go into a successful project in today's world. The third piece, well, which really the study highlights, and I think it's one of the more controllable aspects of project delivery or something that falls within a contractor's control is communication efficiencies. And we live in an age where communication should be easier, not harder. Yet the rise of project information and complexity, communication works hard. Um, you could think about communication in really two main areas, the external that Michael talked about earlier, uh, owner, designer, general contractor communication around the design, the contract, the schedule, and the scope. You have a multitude of stakeholders there and a lot of opportunity for things not to be communicated well. And then internally, the same items, but you add to that the resource needs of the job, manpower, material, equipment, site logistics. There's a lot of information flowing around. And anytime there's an issue on a project, whether it be related to labor productivity or schedule or budget, you can almost always trace it back to a breakdown in communication. We use the term quite a bit, getting back to basics a lot when we're working with clients. It's something that is easy to say, but it's very hard to do. And at a very basic level, all project stakeholders need to be on the same page in terms of the information and resources needed to install work efficiently. As our research points out, 
companies that are able to master the basics tend to be more productive and more profitable. Sure. One one thing that I always find interesting working with contractors on a regular basis is that is that contractors are doers. Um, they they have the mindset of uh, build first and then plan or communicate second, right? And a lot of times when contractors get busy or they're pressed for time, or we've been in a robust industry as we have been for the last couple of years. When they get under the gun, the contractors, their first mindset is to build first. So a lot of times we just start doing or building rather than taking a step to look back, taking a time to to plan out that work ahead of you rather than immediately start getting boots on the ground and hammers and hands. Let's actually take some time to plan out, communicate, and get a plan, an execution plan together for how we can build this job productively We've talked a lot about just framing the context and the survey results itself and the opportunity. I would love to shift gears now and talk a little bit more about the how. How would a contractor go about driving productivity or improving productivity? So firms that do this well, it really goes back to the upside down org chart that Tyler mentioned earlier. Folks that are putting the crew at the top of their org chart, their their foremen, their field managers, the crews that are out on the job site on a daily basis, that put them on a pedestal and make sure that they have the resources they need and the support they need to be as productive as possible. They're the folks that really have that best-in-class productivity and, and are those true best-in-class folks when it comes to labor management. We need to make sure the folks that are actually the ones driving revenue into our business, that they have the support they need when they need it. And a lot of times that that falls into some of the overall operational best practices that we see labor intensive contractors utilizing to to help support their field. And so 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 that hinges around pre-job planning, short interval planning, productivity tracking, and really having those best practices set up in a way that that is for the field first and the overall rest of the organization second. So how do we create these practices and implement practices that are going to put the field first in every aspect of the business? To continue on that same line of thinking, Tyler, would love your perspective on what are some of the management practices that correlate with strong productivity? We stress getting back to basics, and it's not exactly rocket science. These are practices that every experienced contractor understands as the right thing to do. The challenge is doing it at scale with newer and less experienced folks. And so we really look at maybe three foundational behaviors. Number one, do we have a solid plan in place prior to mobilization that all project team members can stack hands on, feel good about in terms of the probability of success and take ownership of the outcomes? Number two, are we perpetually planning throughout the duration of the project? Because things are constantly changing and we constantly have to adapt that plan uh, for what's coming at us next. And number three is, do we have sound project controls, knowing where the job stands at all times and pushing that information out to the foreman and crew so that they know how their scope of work is performing relative to budget. Now, there's a lot more to it than that, obviously, but if you can get those three things right, you're ahead of the pack. To take that a step further, Michael would love your perspective on what are some of the metrics or the KPIs 
Sure. So there's two main KPIs that I'd like to hit on or touch on here. And and the first one is on productivity tracking and feedback. And really, this, this goes back to when a project is getting set up and, and a budget is being created, are we creating a logical budget setup that, that supports operations first and estimating second? Is this a budget that's set up in, in an understandable and digestible way for the field that they can track and manage to? The next thing is that this really requires some field rigor and accountability regarding tracking and coding time or hours, as well as quantities or units uh, to the cost codes. Okay. And so that typically will occur on a daily or weekly basis with most contractors that are doing this well. And then once that is collected, is creating a productivity report that's shared with field managers on, on at least a weekly basis and then reviewed with either a PM or superintendent to really understand where are we winning, where are we losing, where are the risks that we currently have on our project, and what can we do to potentially mitigate some of those risks. We a lot of times hear contractors finding out that they're running over on cost budgets at 80, 90% complete, when in reality, that's just when the problem showed up. But if you actually go back to the basics, as Tyler said, that was probably an issue that occurred back at 20 or 30%. We just didn't have the, the practices in place and the project controls in place to see that and forecast those overruns on that project. And, and so being able to regularly track that productivity and share that feedback with the field in a way that is digestible and understandable for them is going to give them much more control and accountability over the overall results of that project. The second KPI that we like to look at is a direct cost variance analysis. And when we look at this, we'll typically look at a portfolio of completed projects over the last year or two. And we like to look at the revised estimated budget or the original budget plus the cost of any change orders and compare that to the actual cost for each of your direct costs. So your labor, equipment, materials, subcontractors. And, and the baseline of this is we want to compare how did we expect we would perform or how did we estimate we would perform and how did we actually perform on each of our direct costs? And so the great thing about this is you can do this on all of your direct costs. You can also do this on your gross profit margin. And we at FMI, we, we see this as one of the only metrics that really aligns estimating and operations on the same goal. Um, so it focuses estimating on, on, on trying to close that variance and focuses operations on trying to close that variance as well. Uh, so, so we know how adequately and how accurately are, are we estimating our costs and how, how good are we at bringing in our operations at what we estimated those costs to be. So maybe said another way, the estimate is the starting point. At the pre-job planning meeting, whatever the estimate is, that's what we have to beat as opposed to not necessarily maintain. I remember when I started FMI some 20 odd years ago, Hank Harris talked about this concept of margin aggression. The notion was the world is full of beautiful, well-constructed facilities built by broke contractors. And he talked about margin aggression as a mindset. It's an attitude and it, it's the set of principles and practices that basically results in job profits that exceed estimated profits. 
which I think is, Michael, what you're talking about. And then looking at that completed contracts analysis is a way to gauge performance over time and figure out where the levers are that need to be pulled. At the enterprise level, we see a lot of contractors that will track gross profit ratios. So they'll look at gross profit per man hour or gross profit per unit installed. And so this could be a great top-down metric to look at how the overall enterprise is performing. It's also a great sanity check for estimators before we turn in a bid to say, hey, does this really pencil with our rule of thumb or our general expectations on gross profit per man hour? You know, one of the interesting things, Scott, that came out of our study was the correlation between cost of complete integrity and financial performance of contractors. And so it's something that you might say is a no-brainer, but contractors that have more confidence in their cost of complete forecasting tend to perform better, meaning they don't have late project surprises, either write-downs or write-ups. And this gets back to the fundamentals that Michael was talking about earlier. So contractors that track quantities and labor hours on a daily basis and review that on a weekly basis have much deeper understanding of how that project is performing early on in the project. What that allows them to do is to course correct and to address potential field challenges. So it's easy to see how cost of complete forecast integrity translates or correlates really well with the profitability of contractors. The same behaviors that go along with cost to complete forecast integrity are also the same behaviors that yield really quality, meaningful reports to the field in terms of labor productivity. So if we have good tracking of quantities and hours, we can tie that into a report really quickly and hand it back to a field manager and say, this is how your job is performing. They can react to that information, have a conversation with their project manager uh, and figure out a way to either keep doing things really well or maybe call a different play if the productivity feedback is not what we expect it to be at the time of pre-job planning. A lot to be said for the, for the feedback loops. Would love to talk about just some success stories. For the firms that you both have worked with, the ones that you've seen that have made material improvements to productivity, whether it's either 5 10%, what are some of the things that they did? What are some of their lessons learned? What went well? What didn't go well? What are some of the pitfalls that other firms could potentially avoid? You know, I think it's about committing to organizational standards for how we deliver work. Actually documenting how we do things a lot of folks will call this their operational playbook or standard operating procedures. And then once you have those standards, there has to be ownership and accountability and reinforcement throughout the organization, top to bottom. And most importantly, we actually have to train our people on how to do these things. And often we have to train over and over again as behaviors either atrophy or new folks come into the organization. Labor productivity is an infinite game. You never truly win this labor productivity battle. The companies that excel at it are constantly challenging that productivity frontier in the way they do things and continuously improving. One of the things that Michael and I see regularly in our work is how powerful labor productivity improvement can be to a contractor organization. And I'd probably start with the impact that it can have on morale inside of a company. Um, the construction industry is 
filled with a lot of folks that really like to win. It feels good at the end of a project to say, hey, we beat that labor budget, we increased margins, finished early. And so when you have these management practices firing on all cylinders and the field teams are able to be successful, it could really do wonders for the morale of the organization. I think the second thing we look at is, you know, the more productive you are, the, the more profitable you become. And contractors who are more profitable reinvest or double down on that same competitive advantages. And, and so it's a scenario of uh, the, the good teams getting even better or the rich getting even richer is that if we are have better than average labor productivity, we're doubling down on that and continuing to widen that gap between us and the competition. And probably the third piece, and maybe the most important piece, tying this back to the industry labor challenge that we referenced earlier, is that contractors that excel at labor productivity really become destination contractors. These are the contractors that every foreman, superintendent, craft, craftsperson in the market wants to go work for. And field leaders and craft labor, when they have the things that they need to be successful, that's the type of contractor that they want to show up and work for. There's a flywheel effect that takes place when contractors are able to achieve consistently high operational excellence that draws people to that organization like a magnet and also retains them. Love that. That's great. Would love to shift gears and talk a little bit about offsite construction. I understand our research touched on this. Would love for you to share any insights that you have as takeaways. I think there's a lot tied to offsite construction with the labor supply challenges that we're seeing in the industry. We made it a point of this research to collect feedback from contractors on what they're seeing in terms of their prefabrication efforts and offsite strategies. One of the interesting things that the research is telling us is that there's not a lot of upside in terms of increased profitability around prefabrication, not to say that it can't be had, but the majority motivation behind prefabrication is increased control around schedule, quality, and safety. We're going to unpack those findings in a part two of this study to be released in Q1 of 2024, and we're excited to share that with our audience. It's a great teaser for a future podcast episode. So thanks, Tyler. Maybe end on this question and just looking to the future, where do the two of you see contractors planning to invest relative to improving labor productivity? Really, results centered around three different topics. 70% of folks in the study said, we're planning on improving our operational planning and execution practices. So not only does FMI see that as where you're going to get the most the most bang for your buck in regards to productivity, our clients see that as well. The other two things that we saw were leadership skills training, which was mentioned by 48% of folks, and then talent acquisition, which was mentioned by 40% of folks. So those are the three main areas that we see contractors focusing on over the next 18 months to really help increase productivity in the field and help increase their overall operational efficiency. A lot of companies that we work with, they have some semblance of best practices or processes. Uh, they do some training on operational effectiveness or uh, leadership skills in the field. The challenge is, is that we're constantly on a treadmill, right? 
We constantly need to be improving the way in which we deliver work and training our people on how to deliver those items the way we want them to be done as an organization. And so when we look to the future and the sentiment shared by the executives in this study was that they're going to double down on the things that they're already doing. They're going to lean more heavily into structured processes for delivering consistent results in the field and training their folks on how to do those things. And there's a big leadership leadership element to this as well, right? Um, we have to have those folks in the field that can lead others to a successful project outcome. It's not just about processes. It's not just about project controls. It's about having really strong field leaders to be able to lead their teams to successful project outcomes. I think our talent study that was released earlier in 2023 points to that as well. And some of the challenges that contractors are facing with uh, a generational transition in the field and the need to accelerate the readiness of next-gen field leaders. The size of the average company in the U.S. is, what, a couple million dollars in annual revenue. And if you think about, you know, the majority of project managers, superintendents, and foremen are managing projects much, much larger than that. If you think about the skill sets required to run a business, they're very similar to what's required to run a, a successful construction project. And as you guys talked about, and as we talked about in our talent study with Denise Getman a few episodes ago, our industry could stand to improve a bit in terms of preparing field leaders with their leadership development skills. Well, gentlemen, thank you both for taking the time to do this. Michael, again, thank you for taking the time and investing all of your energy into the study itself. I can't wait for it to come out and look forward to catching up with you both here pretty soon. Thanks, Scott. Thanks. Thank you for listening, and please tune in next time for a conversation with Priya Kapila. Priya is an FMI partner and the leader of our compensation practice, and she's going to be here to talk about compensation trends and how the right compensation plan can be an effective tool in winning the war for talent. And please remember to like or subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode.